This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about mooses. Yes. <laughs> Which had a very funny miscommunication. <laughs> On our part, because you said I would like to do an episode on moose. And I was like, huh, uh, okay. And I was envisioning the animal. Uh-huh. <laughs> a moose. Uh-huh. And I was just unfamiliar with the food culture around moose. Uh, but it turns out you did not mean that at all. <laughs> yeah. I, and I clarified fairly quickly because I think I saw your I saw your moose gears processing. And I was yeah. like, no, like mooses, like the foam. Mm-hmm. And then you went, oh. <laughs> I just like that's the first place my mind went was, oh. It yeah. is one of my first memories is, is seeing a moose. Really? Yeah. Truly, eating some cereal. And I was like, ooh, that's my cereal, you moose. So maybe that's why. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I think we should just leave it at that. Let's not explain that any further. (laughs) I think it's self-explanatory. I think that the fact that a moose was stealing your breakfast cereal early in your life and that this is Mm -hmm. one of your earliest life memories I think that that actually explains quite a bit about you as it stands (laughs) I love cereal too you know I love cereal yeah and that moose was 
coming in, eating my cereal. Dang. No, no. Rude. Impolite. Very, very impolite. But he just kind of wandered away eventually, so it's all good. <laughs> good, because those things are very large. <laughs> They're huge. I like. Honestly, that is one of the things I remember most about that very early memory is it was huge. Yeah. It was huge. All right, but it's not, we're not talking okay, about that. Okay, no, 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 no. <laughs> yes. Did you have any particular reason this was on your mind? Um, We're kind of coming up on Father's Day here, and I was sort of thinking like, oh, man, like, like what's, like my dad was a chef, which meant that he didn't really cook at home. Um, so... <laughs> But mm-hmm. one of one of the like special occasion things that he would make um, was chocolate mousse. And he had a recipe that was, I think, like garnered from maybe a combination of like Julia Child and the Silver Palette and his own personal experience. He, he had this this recipe that I that I have very fond memories of. And so uh, and it was a little bit like it was nicer on the research than some of the other stuff that came to mind so yeah yeah that's interesting that you say that because uh my dad also loved chocolate mousse and he also oh. loved i've mentioned it before but he loved uh those kind of real old school cafeteria type restaurants yeah yeah like sort of like it's not quite a buffet but it's like right yeah, cafeteria it's, it's style. Like, yeah, you'd get a tray and then there'd be the vegetable section and the meat section or protein section mm-hmm. and then the dessert section. Uh, and he loved those. And uh, there was one. I feel like I'm really harping on this point, but I grew up in a small town, everybody. Uh-huh. So it was like a 30 minute drive away. So it was sort of a special occasion. Uh-huh. And we would go and I would always get the chocolate mousse for dessert and it Aww. was it was delicious yeah i do i do love a chocolate mousse mm-hmm. it was really good i i know i've mentioned before though the tray situation i would shake so badly that the stress <laughs> of the whole thing was almost not worth it oh, but the, no. the chocolate mousse was very good but i would just be like <laughs> <laughs> oh no it was too much. Too oh, much. All right. <laughs> well, you survived it. You've you've I pulled did. through. Yeah. I did. And there used to be one near, I went to school at Georgia Tech, and there used to be one near there. And every now and then I would convince my old roommate to go. And it was never quite great, but the memories, the nostalgia was so sure. strong. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, we had we had a we had a holiday party this past year and there was chocolate mousse for dessert. Oh, there was. You're right. Uh, And then I was thinking I have seen a lot of mousses slash foams on menus lately, as in before the pandemic. Sure. I can't remember. What's the name for that? Modern Uh, gastronomy. Gastronomy stuff? Molecular gastronomy? Yes. There we go. Yeah. A lot of that has... Uh, the oh, sure. mousses and foams in there, uh, mm-hmm. so it's a and a it's a bit of a thing <laughs> and a kind of a return to to savory mousses as well. Yes, which we are going to talk about some. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, National Moose Day is a thing that we have here in the United States. It's November thirtieth every year. Um, we also have a specifically National Chocolate Moose Day that is April third. So we are nowhere near either of those. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> Perfect. 
I love it. I feel like that's very on brand. Yeah. So I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already excited about the pun opportunities here. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, you can see our Downton Abbey episode <laughs> for more on fish mousse specifically uh, and our chocolate episode for more about chocolate, perhaps, obviously, and our white chocolate episode, I would say. Yeah. Um, also, our French cuisine history episode from pretty early on. Um, maybe aspics. Uh, maybe whipped cream. Yeah. Maybe oh, molecular aspects. gastronomy. Yeah. Agreed. I think that would, I, I couldn't remember the name and I tried to search it, but I didn't have the right. You didn't have the right <laughs> yeah. terms to search it. Yeah. But you you came through as you always do. All right, so I think this brings us to our question. Moose. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> um, well, uh, a moose is a type of dish that's made up of a foam. Um, that is uh, air bubbles stabilized in a liquid or solid. And moose describes specifically a like creamy, firm liquid or soft solid texture. Uh, A mousse can be sweet or savory, light or dense, uh, chilled or frozen or warm, um, stabilized in any number of ways. Uh, What what you're looking for is that creamy, airy, melt-in-your-mouth texture. Um, It's like like if a cloud were more solid or if leavened bread were more liquid. Somewhere in Mm. between there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If a if a crunch bar were pudding. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um uh-huh. uh, some popular and or traditional types of mousse include uh chocolate mousse or apricot mousse on the dessert side, or yes, seafood mousse or chicken liver mousse on the savory side. But really anything that you can either uh puree or melt to a smooth texture can be made into a mousse. And the key here is creating and then stabilizing your air bubbles. And you can do that in just a lot of ways. Um, let's let's take what most of us are probably the most familiar with these days, which is chocolate mousse, as our example. Okay, so uh, because chocolate contains fats that are solid at room temperature, you can technically make a chocolate mousse just from solid chocolate and water. Like like four parts solid chocolate to three parts water, all right? Uh, you melt the chocolate into the water to create a smooth sauce, then uh, whisk or, or beat that sauce in a bowl over ice to create air bubbles as it thickens back into a soft solid, thickens and solidifies into that soft solid. You can then chill it to set it even more. Uh, and, and yeah, the, the solid fats in the chocolate hold the structure. Uh, the chocolate isn't super good at forming up around air bubbles, though. So it will be like a fairly dense mousse. It's not going to be too uh, too airy. Um, but um, if you whip cream or eggs or both and fold those into a chocolate sauce, which many recipes call for, um, 
it's it's not really assisting in stabilizing the bubbles, but it helps a lot in creating the bubbles. Okay, um, because both of those things contain, um, as as we've spoken about before in some of those other episodes we mentioned, they contain uh, globules of fat and proteins that will unravel and then form up in a matrix around air bubbles when you whisk them. Um, so they're a really good vehicle for getting airiness into the chocolate. Um, and they're also creamy, so they add a nice layer uh, of that to the texture. And then if you do want to make it uh, more stable, you can add other stabilizing agents than just the chocolate. Uh, gelatin is a popular one um, because it's flavorless and it's a super stable protein network when it's chilled below room temperature. Um, butter is also a fairly common one because like the uh, like the cocoa butter fats, it will be solid or solid-ish at room temperature and slightly chilled. Uh, but you can use any kind of stabilizing agent. I've seen recipes for mousse made with a silken tofu or with uh, aquafaba. There are also commercial or uh, industrial stabilization agents on the market for like making and setting mousses and other foams if you need to make, I don't know, a thousand servings or something like that. Oof, a thousand servings. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But yeah, you know, like that's like, like, like chocolate is that example. But, but again, like with, like, like once you understand that a mousse is just trapped air bubbles in something, um, if you understand that you can whip certain stuff to get air bubbles in there and that you can stabilize that whip with other stuff, you can you can make any kind of mousse you want. You can make it with, a, with, with fruits or vegetables or squash or cheeses or proteins. Um, you can flavor them with... Anything you want, really, like anything from like from like maple syrup to hot pepper, um, they can be served alone or layered with sweet or savory pastry or ice creams or whatever you want. I want to experience this world of mousse, especially cheese mousse. Oh I'm yeah, intrigued by that. <laughs> yeah, especially like a like a like a soft like something soft like a like a ricotta. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, well. All right. Uh, What about (laughs) the nutrition? Uh, Generally speaking, a mousse um, is going to be a nutrient-dense food because of all of the fats that are required to to trap and stabilize those air bubbles. Uh, But uh, but it depends. It depends on your ingredients. Um, You know, I I guess like like watch your portion sizes. Uh, Treats are nice. Treats are nice. Yeah. We're a big proponent of treats over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a single number for you. We do have one number. Uh, okay, so there is a Guinness World Record for the largest chocolate mousse uh, by weight ever created. The record is from 2013, and that is when this mall in Aventura, Florida, the Aventura Mall, uh, mixed up this chocolate mousse that weighed 497 pounds. That's 225 kilos. Um, it, it's a lot of mousse. It included uh, 108 pounds of chocolate, 66 pounds of butter, 24 pounds of egg yolk. They were measuring them by the pound at that juncture. I love it. Um, 20 <laughs> pounds of sugar, 50 quarts of heavy cream, and five gallons of milk. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's. And the more of those numbers that I read, the more upsetting it was. Like chocolate, mm -hmm. chocolate mousse is an incredibly delightful dish, but I hoofda. Indeed. Yeah. I have to say to you, every now and then we do a topic where I'm surprised at the local articles that keep popping up. Yeah. A lot of this for chocolate mousse specifically were from Florida. And I was like, huh, interesting. I would I would say, and this is just me spitballing, having lived in Florida for a number of years and in South Florida specifically, um, that uh, that South Florida really held on to the um, kind of like late 70s to mid 80s vibe of cooking um, mm. uh, and, and, and restauranturing uh, way longer than a lot of other places in America. Um, like they kind of caught on early and they just stuck with it. They were like, well, this is what we're doing now. Um, and so I feel like a chocolate mousse is a very South Florida dish. <laughs> yeah. That was the vibe I was getting. Uh, okay. I, so I'm glad to hear you say that, that I wasn't just <laughs> lost in the wilderness of the internet. <laughs> Why are all these articles from Florida yeah, coming or, up? Or I mean, you know, I I don't know. Like it's it's also like that strange thing of like Google results uh, can yeah. be. I, I don't know how you've got your Google results tuned and whether or not like it knows that sometimes you visit Florida and so it thinks yeah. that you want more results from from Florida. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. A lot to think about there you when go. it comes to the internet and chocolate news. <laughs> Uh, but it wasn't always this way. <laughs> no, no. Uh, chocolate mousse is a relatively recent invention. Um, and we are going to get into that history after we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. 
visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Okay, so the history of moose is hard to pin down, uh, mm-hmm. but we are going to give it our best shot. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is going to be largely focused on chocolate moose, uh, particularly because that's what people have written about. Uh, yeah. But uh, we're going to have some stuff about savory mousses in here, too. A lot of people brought up pate in their their articles writing about this. That is a separate episode for us. Yeah. <laughs> but just wanted to acknowledge yeah, similarities. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. And uh, it actually starts with uh, with savory mousses. It does. It does. Uh uh, but kind of, it's not necessarily stepping back, but like okay. focusing. Reframing. In. Yeah, sure. reframing okay. is good. Uh, many historians do place the birthplace of chocolate mousse, specifically in France, which I think a lot of people I know and me included kind of think of France when we think about chocolate mousse. Um, but the win of that is a bit of a mystery. The win in time that happened is a bit mm-hmm. of a mystery. Uh, chocolate itself arrived in France by the early 1600s, and at first it was mostly used in hot drinks, but this was a time of a lot of experimentation amongst French chefs, and chocolate certainly got wrapped up in all of that. Mm-hmm. All right, but yes, pivoting, by the 18th century, finely whipped savory Foam-like mousses were really popular in parts of Europe. Uh, They often had a base of seafood, poultry, or liver. Uh, Similar related things like fish jellies, often eaten by those abstaining from meat on Fridays, uh, go back to the 15th century. And that is a fun rabbit hole that I recommend. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And and certainly there's crossover with our aspects episode there. Um, Yes. Meanwhile, the word moose applied to these savory, foamy dishes in the 1700s was just the French word for foam um, or like a sort of poetic description for foam. Um, uh, And the word mousse may trace back to an old French meaning that's more like froth or scum and includes the root word for mead, um, like honey wine, which makes me think that mousse might have originally been the word for like the 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 like frothy barm that develops as mead ferments, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also read uh, the theory that the word moose descends from the same roots as the word moss, like like the plant. So m- mysteries, histories, <laughs> indeed. It wasn't until the mid-1800s that we started to see dessert mousses, primarily composed of fruits at that time, pop up in the historical record. The term mousse au chocolat was first published in a French-language dictionary in 1855 or 1857, roundabout there. Um, When the first recipes for dessert mousses started appearing in American and English cookbooks, they were frequently labeled as a type of ice cream or sometimes as a parfait. And it has been a hot minute since I've thought about parfaits. I went through a huge parfait phase. 
Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I had just totally forgotten about it, and now I want to do an episode on Parfait. Oh, yeah. okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Adding it to the list. Cool. <laughs> Our very long list, yes. <laughs> uh, a lot of these recipes were closer to how we'd think of chocolate pudding as opposed to the lighter, airier mousses of today. And I have a couple quotes I wanted Ooh. to share. Okay. Yes. Heck yeah. And you know I love a good quote. Um, here's one from an 1894 cookbook about mousses. Quote, these are a go-between souffles and ordinary iced creams. They are lighter and more spongy than the latter, on which account they are often better liked. They have the further advantage of needing no freezing before they are molded. The mixture is first thickened over the fire like a custard, then put in the mold and set in an ice cave until firm enough to turn out. A cave is a necessity for the proper concoction of these dishes. To ensure success, they need great care and preparation. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. just so many things that I love about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the term ice cave is one that I always yes. forget about until I run across it. And then I'm like, man. Yes. That sounds so much cooler than refrigerator, no pun intended. It does. <laughs> I like the pun. I like it. I really, I didn't mean it. I do, I just do them now. I'm sorry. I. <laughs> it's the saver curse slash blessing? I don't know. <laughs> it definitely gets me a lot of flat stares from my friends. <laughs> But joy from me. Well, there you go. Joy there you from go. me. <laughs> um, here's another quote from the Oxford Companion to Food. Mousse, a French term meaning foam, is applied to dishes with foamy texture, usually cold and often sweet, but also savory and sometimes hot. The term was in common use in France by the 18th century. Menon has recipes for frozen mousses. Chocolate mousse is well known internationally. Other mousses, such as those incorporating ham or fish or asparagus, are more likely to be found in a French context. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that too, where it's like, it's usually cold, but sometimes hot. It's usually sweet, but sometimes savory. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, uh-huh. Could be anything. Could Ox- be anything. Oxford just, just covering all the bases, as they usually do. Mm-hmm. The English were using the word moose by the 1890s. The oldest print reference of chocolate moose out of America that we know of was published in 1892. A couple of sources specifically credit the invention of chocolate mousse to French artist and sometimes chef Henri Toulouse-Lautrec in the 19th century. According to this version of events, the artist enjoyed experimenting in the kitchen and created something called mayonnaise de chocolat, essentially chocolate mousse. I have my doubts about this, but a lot of people mentioned it, so... Yeah, anytime you bring up Toulouse as, like, the originator of something, I'm like, that's a nice story. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, I mean, I'm sure he ate some chocolate mousse in his time. Um, That Mm -hmm. seems extremely likely. Uh, But, yeah, and and the term um, mayonnaise de chocolat... Uh, does appear very frequently in these histories and, um, you know, would have would have certainly made sense in a historical context of of people being familiar with the sauce mayonnaise. Um, but and then applying that to like this other thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so here in the U.S., the rise of chocolate mousse coincided with the rise of chocolate pudding mixes mm-hmm. around the 1930s. 
Part of what helped chocolate mousse along were inventions or improvements around things like electric mixers uh, that made it so, so much easier to whip the egg whites to achieve the texture that we're more familiar with today, uh, which also happened around this time. Uh, And then you can see our aspic episode for more on this, but with the invention of home refrigeration and more availability of home refrigeration, perhaps, uh, and love of gelatin molds in the 1950s, fish mousses spent several decades on American tables. Mm -hmm. Eventually, their star faded, uh, though they are experiencing a bit of a resurgence here. Again, look up pictures, because, like, a lot of the fish molds, they're shaped like fish. Yeah. They're made of, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And especially when you get like when you get like salmon or something, it's just this really pretty like pastel orange color. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a whole thing. It is indeed a whole thing. And I recommend looking into it. Uh-huh. Uh, the popularity of chocolate mousses grew in the U.S. alongside the growth of the popularity of French cuisine in general. Right, which was really booming through the uh, through the 60s and 70s. Um, by 1977, it was a common enough word in English, and I guess hair care technology was advancing to the point that the word was being applied to hair products of a similar texture. Um, and we also verbed that noun a few years later. Uh, by 1984, I believe, uh, we were using uh, terms like, like moose your hair as a verb to apply mousse to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, with America's love of white chocolate in the 80s, white chocolate mousse became a very popular. Mm-hmm. Most people credit this invention with New York City chef Michael Fatusi in 1977. By all accounts, it was it was a hit. It was a hit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Like to the point that because of the the chocolate mousse's popularity, um, and I'm you know white chocolate mousse and, and other mousses all 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 forming into this, yeah. Um, chocolate mousses have in fact been studied by food scientists looking to create acceptable vehicles for medicinal products like say probiotics and prebiotics um, since at least the early 2000s. So they're like enough people like this stuff that let's try putting stuff in them (laughs) and see if we can get them to actually consume what we're trying to get them to consume that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Uh, Another science note in, in 2020, the ESA, uh, the European space agency uh, teamed up with Nestle to run some experiments on the structure of foam in microgravity using equipment on the ESA's uh, parabolic flights. Um, you know, like the the not quite space reaching vomit comet flights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this th- this team up happened because, like, fo- foam technologies are of interest to both parties. Um, they're of interest in terms of uh, a making palatable food products to both of them, and then to the ESA for lots of other like lightweight structural reasons. So, like, the more that they understand about foams, right? just the more they can do with uh, with astronaut food and uh, uh, st- structural science. <laughs> I feel like we should get some kind of bonus every time we can mention space in these episodes. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm getting a bonus every time I run across a fact like this. So. 
Well, that's nice, but I want a monetary. <laughs> you, you want, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's mostly NASA. you that does it, but I'm trying to. <laughs> oh no, I see. No NASA, call us. Like, yes. let us know. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I mean, in general, NASA, call us. Um, mm-hmm. Goodness. Um, at any rate, uh, also that year, 2020, um, and I didn't follow up with this. Uh, I just saw a very brief article about it. Um, but a a moose centric dessert bar opened in New York City. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Right? Well, I'm very curious about that. If anyone's been. Please yeah. yeah it was like know. it was like it was like February of 2020, oh. so I strongly suspect this poor guy had a hard time. Um yeah. but But yeah. Moose yeah. bar. Moose bar. <laughs> I want to go to a moose bar. I would like to as well. And immediately I'm thinking of the animal, but I'm going to Switch yeah, my... that that sounds okay too. Yeah, either <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe both. Could yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. <laughs> business idea, terrible one, I think, but business idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I don't think I don't think I'm allowed to open any bars, um, especially not ones that have live moose in them. So. That's, I'm going to preemptively shelve that. Okay. But it is on the shelf. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Cool, cool, cool. (laughs) Well, we'll revisit that at a later date. Uh, (laughs) But for now, I think that's what we have to say about moose. It is. Um, We do have some listener mail for you. But first, we've got one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate 
or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with light and bubbly yeah yeah (laughs) i try i try (laughs) (laughs) okay so i love this we have two letters addressing another listener mail oh okay great read great great about cast iron oh great Mm -hmm. all right so first amanda wrote I know I totally just wrote you, but a listener, Ben, I believe, wrote in about adjusting to induction from gas in regards to cast iron. Mm -hmm. Uh, We own an appliance store, and I am terrible at understanding anything electrical, but how I understand it from training sessions is induction works differently. With gas and regular electric ranges, smoother coil top, the element gets hot, which in turn heats the pot or whatever. Induction works by using magnetics to induce a current directly into the pot or pan, turning the pot or pan into the element itself, thus making any temperature changes pretty close to instant, whether you're trying to boil water in 90 seconds, as advertised, Hmm. or the going from a full rolling boiling over to a gentle simmer pretty close to instantly. As I burn hot dogs while typing this. (laughs) Also, handy tip for you accident-prone humans. The stovetop itself doesn't get hot. Just whatever residual heat is transferred from having a hot pot on top of it. Anyhow, all that said, as far as adjusting to the new stove, maybe picturing all of this will help if all that made sense. But in reality, (laughs) you just kind of got to keep cooking and get used to it. (laughs) Also love the recent Onagiri episode. All those recipes sound way better than what I end up with, which is a handful of leftover sushi rice, usually from my sushi tacos, squished into, well, some sort of shape, strip of nori, (laughs) added with a dash of furikake, and plopped onto my six-year-old's plate as I don't know what to make you for lunch kind of meal. (laughs) LOL. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for brightening my day every week with your beautiful senses of humor and nerdy references. Every time you mention Brock's jelly donuts, it makes me very happy. Us too. Us oh, too. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. We, I, I, spoiler alert, um, induction cooking is definitely coming up as an episode topic soon. So, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. That's a spoiler for Annie as well as for y'all. <laughs> I love it. Oh, this is exciting. Uh, also, I wanted to uh, to share before we go into this next uh, message that is similar. Uh, I made spam masubi. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, you sent pictures to us I and did. super producers Dylan and Andrew. I did because I was so proud. Because uh, I'm trying. I have a lot of nori, as I said, and I'm trying to right. use it up. Uh, I haven't made the onigiri yet, but I'm planning on making it next week. But okay. the spam masubi. I thought it was going to be really complicated, and it was kind of tricky, but it worked out really well, and it was oh, delicious. Yay! <laughs> and I used the spam, so I like cut the bottom off of the spam container, and you oh. used that to shape it. Ah, it was awesome! Oh, it was so that's cool. perfect. That's so good. <laughs> yes. 
It was very oh, good. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know you have like rice fear. The rice came out okay. It did come out okay. I recently inherited a, an Instapot. Oh, okay. So uh-huh. I haven't used that yet, but I hear that that makes rice cooking very uh, easy. But I just did it based on what the package said, and it turned out great. Um, Heck yeah! It was so very sticky. I was. All right. They were right. I had to <laughs> put uh, like water and vinegar on my hands so it wouldn't stick to me. It was, yeah. It was a whole thing, but it was great. <laughs> it was very good. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Now I, yeah. Now I'm craving that. I'm like, oh no. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. We can do this. We can, mm-hmm. we can get this done. <laughs> mm-hmm. At any rate, um, Kelly wrote, I just heard your listener mail, episode 12, that included the question from Ben in Ireland about using his cast iron skillet on an induction burner slash hob. Uh, Please relay this message to him if you think he would find it useful. We have also recently begun using our cast iron pans on an induction burner or hob and have noticed that it takes some getting used to, as there is a difference in how they heat up. We still have our gas range, but we got a single plug-in induction unit because I wanted to try it out. Having used it consistently for a few months, I now prefer it over gas, although my husband hasn't used it as much and prefers to stick with the gas range for most things because he finds it more predictable. Uh, He agrees that the induction burner is faster and more efficient for when we boil water for pasta, etc. I'm not an expert, but I think I have an explanation for what Ben is noticing. On an induction burner, the metal of the pan itself is heating in response to the magnetic waves, uh, whereas on a gas range, it's being heated by the flame. Uh, Cast iron is a relatively poor conductor, so in both cases it takes some time before the entire pan gets hot, and it will heat up first and fastest wherever it's in contact with either the flame, uh, in terms of gas, or the magnetic coil under the surface of the induction burner. Those coils can be different sizes, but I'm willing to bet that Ben is probably putting his skillet on a burner that has a coil with a larger surface area than the flame of his former gas burner, so a larger section of the pan is becoming hot as soon as the coil is activated. I love this. Yeah. I love that you you listeners are coming through for each other. (laughs) Right? Mm-hmm. This is this is some like like Sherlock Holmes of yes. of of cookery stuff going on. I love it. Yes. And, and in this message, I love how it was like pass this along. <laughs> That's so yes. good. Consider it passed. <laughs> we have done our duty and you have done yours as well. This is so great. Yeah. Um, oh goodness, thank you. Yes, we appreciate it so 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 much. Uh, thanks to both of these listeners for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. 
And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Discover Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico is home to a thriving culinary scene based on products and traditions from the native Taino, African, and Spanish peoples that have influenced it. When you go, there are a host of restaurants, bars, breweries, distilleries, farms, and coffee houses to dig into, from five-star experiences to local favorites. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles, ready for next-day installation, and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.